Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We're in a time right now where we're sort of desperate for community. I want people to be connected digitally, but that doesn't mean that we should be connected to these devices 24 7. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello, and welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. Left our hearts in the lost and found. I'm Tanya Goodin, and each week I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves, and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. We could all do with a bit of a feel-good story right now, couldn't we? And this week's episode is exactly that. I'm chatting to Shannon Downey, who is a craftivist, founder of Badass Cross-Stitch, about a really wonderful feel-good project that she's involved with that I discovered online uh, just before Christmas. And it's a perfect example of using the digital world to strengthen community and get people together in real life. And I think the message that we all want to connect and that we can use the digital world to connect in real life and we can use the digital world to strengthen real life connections is a really powerful one at the moment. And there's also some really great messages in today's episode about using our hands and how important it is to keep our hands busy and how great that is for mindfulness and relaxation and stress. And certainly over the next coming weeks and months, um, I'm releasing this at the beginning um, of the coronavirus pandemic. So we're all going to be spending a lot of time at home. Um, And if we want to find something to do that doesn't involve screens actually craft and keeping our hands busy is a fantastic thing to do. So without further ado, I will let you listen to my chat with Shannon. Just want to say one thing. She was in Chicago. I was in London. It wasn't a great line, I have to say. Um, So please bear with us. I think when you really get into the chat, you kind of forget about those. They melt away. So I hope you enjoy it. 
So Shannon, it's great to talk to you. You're in Chicago, I'm in London, and we've never met, <laughs> but I found you on social media. I think I found you on Twitter, but I saw recently that the Washington Post has been covering what you've been doing. I just want to read out to the podcast listeners the headline of the story. I know you've been getting lots of press coverage, but the headline is why a thousand people offered to crowd stitch the quilt of a dead woman none of them knew. When I saw your story, I'm not embarrassed to say I actually got a bit tearful when I was reading about it. I thought it was really beautiful. And I've been trying with the podcast to talk about our relationship between digital and analogue. And I know actually from researching a bit more about you, you're really into that as well. I want to talk to you more about that later on. But I felt that this story of what you're doing with Rita's Quilt really does demonstrate how we can use social media for good. So I just wanted to ask you if you could tell our listeners who maybe might not have heard about your project, the story of Rita's Quilt. Absolutely. So I go estate sale shopping quite regularly. Is that something you have in the UK? So that, so when someone's died, you go and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. usually it's um, when somebody's passed yeah. and they sort of hire a company, uh, the family does, and they open up that person's house and you go through it. The family has already removed the stuff that they want. And so everything is for sale. Um, but you can find a lot of furniture and, you know, just all of sort of the, the good stuff that you can't get anymore because Ikea doesn't make it. And so I usually go looking for antique textiles. So anything that's already been hand embroidered by an artist. So whether it be napkins or tablecloths, aprons, it's usually functional objects. And then I use that to make art. And sometimes I just find great stuff, right? Like an old Singer sewing machine or sewing chair. Oh, I've got one of those. Really old one. Yeah. So gorgeous. They're fabulous, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they really are. So um, this particular day, I, I went to this this home. The home was for sale. So I, I sort of took that as an indicator that the person had passed. When I went in, um, there was this absolutely gorgeous hand-embroidered map framed on the wall. And I immediately, it was like tunnel vision. I just like gravitated over towards it and pulled it off the wall and started studying it. And it was, it was beautiful and so well executed and in perfect condition, framed professionally. And it had a tag of $5 on it. $5. No, for something, there's something that probably took hundreds of hours. Gosh. Uh, yes, you know, it was a good deal for me, but it was it, moments like this are such a um, testament to me about how little we value handicraft and women's art. And so I knew that I, I had to have it. So the woman who was running the estate sale sort of said to me, oh, if you're into stitching stuff, uh, you should go in the bedroom. There's a box of supplies. So I went into the bedroom and there was it was strange because there was nothing else in this bedroom except for this plastic bin and I opened it and the the friends that I go um, estate sailing with were sort of standing there and they're sort of the few people in the world who know that I have this tendency to if I find a piece of unfinished work in somebody's home I have this real compulsion to purchase it and finish it for them because <laughs> I think that they can't possibly be resting in peace if there's an unfinished craft project in their home. <laughs> so you've done it before. That's one of the things I was going to ask. You've done that before. You've bought an unfinished project and then finished it. 
Yeah, I've done a couple dozen, but the thing is, is like they're normally small projects. It's like a, you know, half a hoop that didn't get finished or a pillow or, you know, something. And I only take on embroidery projects because that's what I do. So normally I just, you know, I, I finish, like I study the stitching technique and the color choices and, and style of the original artist and I finish it for them exactly as I think they would have finished it. And then most of the time it takes me a half an hour, you know, maybe an hour. And then I donate them to the Goodwill because, you know, 99% of the time it's nothing I would want. You know, it's like puppies and Bible quotes and, you know, just things that I I wouldn't keep. So I sort of put them out back into circulation because somebody will love it. So this day, as I opened this bin (laughs) and I started to go through it, I, I saw an embroidery hoop and I was like, sweet like vintage embroidery hoops are hard to come by. They don't make them like that anymore. So I was really excited. And then as I started to go through this box, I realized, oh no, this is a massive like embroidery and quilting project that somebody had totally like done all the prep work for, transferred all the patterns, like got everything ready, started to stitch half of New Jersey. And then that was it. And so my friends were just sort of like, oh, no, like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. Like, I was sitting on the floor going through it and like almost started crying. One, because this was so moving. But two, I was like, oh, no, what did I just get myself into? Because obviously I have to finish this. Um, But I don't even quilt. So that was sort of the moment where I realized, well, you know, I I literally can't do this by myself, but I'm going to, whatever, I'm just going to buy this and we'll see what happens. And then I sort of brought it to the cash register, hoping that they were going to say some ridiculous amount of money that would get me out of it. And when I said, how much is this? And they said, well, do you want the Tupperware container as well? I was like, yeah, I want to keep it all. And they were like, okay, $6. More than the $5 that the completely finished quilt was. That was just because of the Tupperware container. Just because of the bin. Oh. <laughs> so when I, I I took it out the front door, I left immediately after that. I was like, I don't want to see anything else. I don't want to find anything else. I have to get out of here. <laughs> and sort of walked out. And I took a Sharpie and wrote the address of the home on the the Tupperware container um, so that I could look it up later and, you know, sort of find anything out about the person. Um, And so that night I went home, I opened the bin up and I like looked at it and decided, okay, I like, I bet if I put this on Instagram, I can find a handful of people that will help me start embroidering it. Because even if I were to do this, we're talking like two years of just embroidering to get it to a place where I could even think about the quilting portion of things. I posted the story on Instagram and within 24 hours, I had over a thousand people asking me to help. So that was from all over the US? It was the whole world. There were a lot of UK folks who were offering up. (laughs) So how did you choose? So how many, I think you've, I read you've got a hundred embroiderers, have you? Because you've got the state, you've got one for each state and then you've got stars. I think there are stars on the quilt as well, aren't there? Yeah. You know, like when I saw that many people, I was like, okay, I can outsource this whole thing. So (laughs) I was just going to send the states out because the stars were supposed to be appliqued. Somebody on Instagram said, I'll stitch a star. And I was like, wait a minute, that's brilliant. I can involve 50 more people if I turn the stars 
into embroidery versus applique. So I went back to the very beginning and I just sort of started scrolling through. And if somebody called out a specific state, you know, I was writing that down and I was just taking names, taking names. So did you match people to states? So is somebody in New Jersey stitching New Jersey or not necessarily? It's not necessarily that kind of connection. There are a lot of people who are in the states stitching those states. Yeah. Some are in other states but like was born you know this woman was born in Idaho and she really wanted to stitch Idaho she doesn't live in Idaho now but you know all of her family is still there so that was her sort of connection to the state so yeah we we had there were a hundred folks that I pulled in and then started gathering email addresses emailed them started gathering mailing addresses started building spreadsheets and then as I started prepping all of the um the pieces to mail them out, I realized that I had not fully gone through the whole box and like stuck in the middle, uh, Rita had completed two states, Alaska and Georgia, which for me was like a tiny miracle because only having half of, you know, an outline of New Jersey didn't really tell me much about Rita's vision for the quilt. Finding these two completed pieces showed me exactly what her vision for this quilt would have been um and so i was able to guide the stitchers um so you shared those on social media as well and said this is what this is what she did absolutely so then i i prepped 100 pieces packaged them up sent them out to everybody i saw the great photo that you shared of you at the post office with this massive pile of envelopes yeah The U.S. Post Office is like the most depressing place on the planet. All of them. It's a universal rule. Yeah. I thought you could just run these through the machine and everything will be great. And he was like, here are 300 stamps. (laughs) Cool. I'll be over in the corner for the next three hours stamping these. (laughs) So it took about two hours to get them all stamped and then shipped out which was just amusing to me. So they went out to everybody. Uh, everyone is working on their pieces now. They're due back to me by the 15th. And I saw, I just checked your Insta feed and actually you said you started to get some pieces back already. So you've had some back, have you? I've got five back and we've built a like a secret Facebook group for all of the stitchers. Ah, I was wondering how you were communicating with them all. Yeah. It's sort of a combo deal. Um, some of them aren't on Facebook. So all the important stuff gets emailed out. The majority of them are in the Facebook group. And then there are Instagram groups, which was how I was using Instagram to sort of like gather their their data. But now they're becoming best friends in these Instagram you know, groups as well. So I'm just like, okay, we're just leaving all these social media options open to all of you. So it's like a huge virtual sewing bee, isn't it? I mean, it's like the old school sewing bee when women got together and sewed. And I remember my grandmother telling me about groups like that. But this is all happening online. It is. It is. You know, and I didn't choose people based on locations or anything. But two folks in Massachusetts realized that they live down the street from each other. And one knows the other dog from just, you know, seeing her out and about walking and they pieced this together. And so they reached out to me and they were like, Hey, we're going to hang out and like stitch together. And I was like, well, wait, there are other Massachusetts people. Hold on. (laughs) And so then I hooked them all up with each other and now they're getting together this weekend to like hang out and stitch. Oh, 
why, what is it about the project, do you think, that's made people want to take part? Why do you think you got such a phenomenal response to it? There's a few reasons. Crafters are like this. There's a real, like, history of gathering and also, like, finishing other people's work, right? Like, you know, back in the day when they're, and, and there are still really vibrant quilters guilds, but but back in the day, if somebody in your quilting group or your stitching group passed, like you knew that that crew was going to roll up and gather up all that stuff out of the house and take it away and work together and finish it. I never knew that. I didn't know that was kind of part of the tradition. That's really interesting. Yeah, there's a really rich history of, yeah. you know, showing up for each other and and finishing things in community. And so, yeah. you know, I can't see an unfinished project and think like <laughs> that can't be there. So let me let me take it. But it's always very like private and personal. Mm. Um, and this is the first time where I sort of put it out there because it was just too big for me. And the response just showed me how one like. I feel like there's just this real, we're in a time right now where we're sort of desperate for community. We're desperate to sort of be part of something like bigger and positive and a little fun. And so I think that all of that sort of coming together and also just like, you know, honoring somebody that we, we don't know and we never will, but just really wanting to do something um, meaningful uh, to honor that and in hopes, you know, too, probably that somebody would do that for us. The outcome is physical and tangible and analog, but it's all happening virtually, which is really just special. And actually, when I started looking into you more, when I first found the Rita's Quilt hashtag, which I'm going to tell everyone to follow on Instagram because I'm following it avidly, watching all the progress. Really, it's really heartwarming. Um, but obviously, when I found you, I found that you this thread, excuse the pun, of the relationship between analog and digital is something you've been thinking about for a while. It's kind of not an accident, actually, that you've ended up doing this. So tell us a bit about badass cross stitch and kind of your project because that's your kind of overarching mission isn't it really it is there's a couple reasons for it I have a degree in essentially leisure theory right and so it's a thing and in studying that back when I was studying it it was such a focus on work-life balance work-life balance what is work what is leisure how do we balance the two and I feel like it's almost an obsolete paradigm at this point that there all the lines are so blurred because of technology between work and life and and all of that that for me the part that I was seeing and I, I teach college and so I'm I'm teaching students who are digital natives and obviously I love technology and I love social and I love digital and like none of this could have happened without that we haven't adapted to this new technology and these new resources in our life to find the balance between digital and analog. And so for me, that idea of digital analog balance is the thing that I'm attempting to constantly push. I want people to be connected digitally. I have really meaningful relationships with people that I've never met in real life thanks to social media. But that doesn't mean that we should be connected to these devices 24-7 and that time away from these devices and using our hands in different parts of our brain only work to serve us. 
as humans and we're becoming more and more insular. We're becoming more and more alone almost. And so this is a really interesting mechanism, medium, tool for bringing people together in real life, but also digitally. And so this project really has just solidified for me just how powerful these tools can be. Uh, in building real life relationships, I'm fully confident that I'm going to meet all of these stitchers in real life because it ma- it matters and it has to happen, right? Like I feel so connected to them and like we've all just shared so much that now it's like, okay, well, the next step is obviously we all have to hang out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I really love, actually, I'm just going to read to, um, what you wrote on your website about Badass Cross Stitch, which is, let's work together to help create a community that regularly puts down their devices and feeds their souls with creativity, craft, art, invention and making. And that's exactly what you've done with Rita's Quilt, because you, you've kind of used social media to actually get people re-engaging with with craft, haven't you, and with the, with the analogue world, which is, for me... That is absolutely what I'm trying to achieve when I talk to people via the podcast. But how how can we get the best out of both worlds? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and the thing that has been most surprising, but also the most exciting to me is all of the people who are messaging me on, on Twitter and Instagram saying like, oh, I'm so inspired. I picked up my needle for the first time in 10 years or I'm going to finish this quilt you know, from my mom who passed who like, I've been wanting to do this for 20 years, but haven't, but now I feel so motivated to do it. And the, like my extra favorite are the folks who are like, 
I've never stitched before, but I just went and bought a kit because like now I have to do this. Like I'm so inspired by this. I'm like, well, this is like literally why I exist. And so I'm so grateful that y'all are validating that right now. <laughs> I'm really interested in the age groups of people who are doing it as well. Because I noticed one when I was looking on the hashtag, there was one really quite young girl who said, you know, her, it was her grandmother that had taught her how to embroider and she was she was doing the quilt, but sharing with her grandmother what she was doing. And I was thinking, you know, kind of if you if you think you maybe imagine people saying this are much older, but are you finding a, a big range of age groups of people? Doing, and are they all women? I've just assumed that they're all women, but maybe they're not. Are there some men? There is one guy. <laughs> so, yeah, he's in there. Um, age range right now. We're gathering all this data about the stitchers, um, but right now it looks like 25 is the youngest, and it like maybe 67 is the oldest. That's fantastic. So that's kind of really representative of our culture, our age group, isn't it? It's not. It's not niche. It's not a niche activity. No, definitely not. So when do you think you're going to finish the quill? Oh, and something else I wanted to ask you is which bit are you doing? I didn't realize I didn't leave myself anything. And then I was like, oh, shit, I didn't leave myself anything to stitch. That's super sad. And so then I looked at the pattern again and I realized, oh, wait, there's this whole middle panel that is like a stitched map of the U.S. And I'm like, ah, fine, I'll do that. I didn't really want to do that. That's quite a big fish, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like dead center. And like this project is not about me. And I really didn't want to do a piece that was like the centerpiece. But then I looked at Rita's mat, the one I had bought for $5. It is the exact same size as the center panel. So I was like, well, this is sad because now I have to give up Rita's map because obviously Rita's piece needs to be the centerpiece of this quilt. And so then I realized, okay, now I really left myself nothing to stitch. And I was like, well, whatever, I'll, I'll participate in the hand sewing of the hexes and whatnot. But then I revisited the pattern again. And there are two stars that I did not account for that are uh, in the border of the quilt. And they're the sort of bottom cornerstone pieces. And so I thought, well, that's an appropriate place. That's quite nice. Yeah, the cornerstone of the project. I'm stitching those two stars as we speak. Well, not literally as we speak, but this week. (laughs) And what will you do if someone lets you down? I was also thinking about this the other night. I thought, what if somebody just kind of goes AWOL with their piece or can't finish it or, you know, or you lose touch with them? I don't know. I mean, how, what are you going to do? Well, I like to say I'm 60% optimist, 40% realist. So immediately upon seeing the response in September, I did a Google search. I found the same pattern on eBay. Somebody was selling it as like an antique for like $10. So I bought that. And it's so it's a... That's your backup. It's my backup. So I have the whole... I have the whole other pattern in the event that something happens or something gets lost in the mail so that we can, you know, complete it. Um, And what's going to happen to the quilt when it's finished? Have you decided yet? (laughs) Yeah. So, um... A couple of things. The National Quilt Museum in Paducah, Kentucky reached out and said, we want to debut this thing. So I was like, 
oh my god yes <laughs> like it's literally the national quilt museum <laughs> and so uh that's going to happen and it's a quilt of the nation as well there's something really appropriate isn't there about the design there really is rita really had some plans so the other thing is that I've been talking to the stitchers about like what they want to see happen with the quilt, because for me, like it's not mine, right? It's ours. And so yeah. I've been checking in with them on, on every decision that I've made more or less. And I said, Hey, you guys, like I have this idea and I want it, you know, I want it to go on tour, but because I want everybody to be able to see it, but I also want all of the stitchers to be able to see it and show it off to their communities. So what I'm attempting to do is starting next summer, like get in an RV and spend a year traveling the US. Fantastic. Rita's Quilt the tour. Absolutely love that. So we're going to be following the hashtag, the Rita's Quilt hashtag for a lot longer. We're going to watch it go on tour. We talked a little bit about loneliness or you kind of mentioned loneliness when we were thinking about communities. And I was just thinking about Rita and I just wondered about her family. So is anyone, you know, all these people, I was about to say women, all these women and one man who are stitching, obviously never knew Rita, but is there anyone related to Rita who's involved in the project? Has she got any family that are involved? Um, I talked to her son. You know, he's a much older gentleman. He does live in the area still. And I, I reached out to him and I just sort of, you know, I felt, I felt like I needed to because all of like this press was happening around it. And I thought... Oh dear, it would be really jarring to suddenly open the newspaper and see your mom's picture, you know, like who had just passed because his mom just passed in August, like Rita just passed in August. Um, so I reached out to him and I just explained what happened and sort of how this came about and my intention for the project and sort of like, you know, the bigger picture of what was happening. And he was quite lovely and, you know, it was just like, this is really neat. I hope putting this this together brings all of you great joy and it was a lovely interaction and um i've sort of tried to keep him out of it uh just to respect his you know just what his mourning process essentially it is it is rather nice though isn't it to think of all these people who weren't her family but are now her community in a kind of strange way yeah, um, I'm gonna. Uh, um, I've invited him to the piecing party or the first part of the quilting bee. Ah, uh, uh, brilliant! So we'll see. We'll see how he feels about that. But I, I look forward to seeing that. So I could talk to you <laughs> for a long time about this, but I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I always end the podcast with three questions I just want to ask you, um, which are about, I suppose, about your relationship with the digital world and maybe some of what, you know, Rita's Quilt and your other projects have brought you. So I, the first question is, if there was just one thing that you'd like to say to people listening about their digital habits, what would it be? Find balance. <laughs> Put down the device, step away for a bit so that you can come back at it, you know, with a, with a different perspective. And have you got a tip that you haven't, we haven't talked about specifically about getting good digital analog bank? I mean, crafting obviously <laughs> is one really big tip 
are there other things that you think are good for people to kind of explore when they're thinking about getting a better balance? Yeah, I think, you know, get out in nature, exercise, meditate, like just do anything with your hands. Like I think there's there's just great value in in creating with your hands not using a device. And so whatever that looks like, whether that's, you know, whatever medium works for you, wood, fiber, you know, paint, it doesn't matter. Um, and, and also you don't have to be good at it. Just like, go do it, <laughs> go do it and see how it changes you. I think there's real value actually in thinking about keeping our hands busy. Cause I was thinking when I started reading about Rachel Squill, I was thinking that when I was younger, I never saw my grandmother without crochet or knitting in her hand. I mean, all all the evening she would sit and her hands were busy. She'd be talking to me. She'd be talking to everyone else, but she was always doing something with her hands. And I thought, we've kind of lost that. Well, I think we've replaced it. You don't even notice that you put your phone down or that you're not connected because you're you're having that same tactile experience and you're using all of the, the same muscles that you would sort of normally use. And I think that's the thing that people miss the have the biggest struggle with in creating balance because their hands feel like they feel like they're not like they're missing an appendage, like they're not doing something. And, and by replacing that with something analog, like it takes some of the anxiety that comes with disconnecting away. I've actually felt really inspired. I'm one of those people that you've been talking about who I actually got out an embroidery project. <laughs> I'm not just saying this for the sake of the podcast. I got it out the back of my wardrobe and it is 16 years old. And I I know I know exactly when I started it. I never finished it. And I, I really laughed actually when I read, there's a quote from you in the um, Washington Post where you said there are two types of crafters, people who love to start projects but don't finish them, people who don't move on until they finish what they've started. I'm the first. <laughs> So I once got a prize at school for an embroidery that wasn't finished because I re- I reassured the sewing teacher that I would finish it. So she gave me a prize and I never finished it. Um, <laughs> so I actually, I think I'm going to, I'm going to get, I've got the embroidery out. I've looked at it. There's not that much more to do. So I'm thinking this could be a really good, yeah. I mean, the whole kind of digital analog balance, I'm thinking actually, Maybe I need to rediscover because I used to love sewing when I was younger. I used to spend a lot of time doing it. And it's so restful, isn't it? It's so therapeutic. It I've really tried to is. explain that to people before. Like folks who talk about, um, oh, I'd love to meditate, but that's like, I like can't, right? Like I can't calm my brain down. I can't do this. Like this is such a beautiful gateway to that because yeah. it tricks you into relaxing. Yeah, you get into flow, you totally get into flow, that that meditative state, because it's so rhythmic when you're sewing. Actually, in one of my books off, one of the pages, uh, one of the things I suggest doing is actually sewing, Um, even though I felt really guilty when I was writing it, because I thought, I haven't done this for a long time. (laughs) But I wanted to put it in because I thought I remember how good it felt. So, yeah, you've really inspired me. I look um, forward to the photo of your finished piece. Oh, no, no. I feel the pressure now. I've got to finish it. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> so my final question is, what have you learned about yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, I well, I guess one of the bigger things that I feel like I learned about myself that I thought was totally normal was that 
most people don't walk into someone's house and think, oh, I should finish that project for them. <laughs> right? Like, I thought that was a totally normal and like reaction and everybody yeah, would everyone. And um, I think that's been the most baffling to me is how many people have just been like, who thinks like that? And I'm like, apparently only me. <laughs> right? Like, obviously not only me, but. Well, and the thousand people that responded to your post who thought, who felt as strongly as you did that that was something that should be finished. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's the other beauty of social media that you Horrified found them into yeah, believing that there is a craft purgatory. <laughs> yeah, I did like that you put on the post, anyone interested in helping me help Rita rest in craft peace. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which I thought was really lovely. I hope she, I hope she is going to rest in craft peace. I hope so too. I think that, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is just how like anytime there's a major shift in culture from a new technology, humans have to adapt and we don't necessarily adapt gracefully quickly. So I feel like this is just part of our adaptation phase. And I believe that people are and will continue to figure out how to use these tools in a way that brings like benefit and positivity and like community versus, you know, some of the divisive and negative and, you know, just sort of chaos and, and noise that's happening. But th there are plenty of examples of it being used well. And, and so I think that it's just part of the, it, it's part of the, the modeling to bring about that evolution. I think you are one of the examples, though, of, of how it's being used particularly well. I'm sure people are going to be talking about this project for a long time. Thanks so much for talking to me. I've been absolutely dying to talk to you ever since I saw this project online. And I really think it is a perfect example of how we should be using social media. When I first got into the digital world 20 plus years ago, this was my vision, I suppose, or how I thought we would use social media for collaborative projects and bringing people together. And And I feel like over the last you know, decade, we've moved away from it. And it's really beautiful to see with this project that there are people like you using it for this. And I hope you're going to inspire lots, lots more people to do it. So thank you very much. Oh, it was such a joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.